Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. What we need to understand is that, you know, Jesus is sensitive to our sensitivities. He's sensitive to our vulnerabilities. Jesus doesn't want to make a spectacle of you. Now, sometimes that can't be said of believers. And that's something that we need to work on. We need to pray about. We need to, uh, you know, ask for wisdom. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the Gospel of Mark. Join us as Pastor Brian begins his teaching on Mark, chapter 7, verses 24 through 37, in a message titled, The Unconventional Ways of Jesus. Now, here's Pastor Brian. All right, so we're looking at this passage, and there are two stories here, as we've seen. There's the story of the woman and her demon-possessed daughter, and then there's the story of of the deaf man. Now, these two stories have caused no small amount of perplexity among not only Bible readers, but also among Bible teachers. You know, these stories are a little bit perplexing. Jesus is doing things here. Well, I've titled the message today, The Unconventional Ways of Jesus, because he's doing things here that are just like, why is he doing it like that? And so we want to consider that. We want to look at why he was doing things the way he did. And as is often the case... We, we have to look a little more closely at things because there's more going on than we might realize at the first glance. And so we're going to look down uh, or, or we're going to look closer into these stories today. But, but in order for us to, to get a little bit of a clearer picture of what's happening, I want to read to us the parallel passage. So you know the Gospels have many parallel passages, Right. And so Matthew records the same events that we just read, but he gives us a little more detail about the first person, not so much the second. He actually, Mark gives us more detail about the second person. Matthew just sort of alludes to it, but he gives us more detail about the first person that's going to help us to understand why Jesus did what he did in his dealings with this woman. So I'm, I'm just going to read it to us from Matthew chapter 15. And picking up in verse 21, it says, And Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. But he answered and said... I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Now, notice that's, that's, Mark doesn't tell us that. Then she came and worshiped him saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. And she said, yes, Lord. Yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is your faith. 
let it be to you as you desire. Mark did not tell us that either. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. Jesus departed from there, skirted the Sea of Galilee, and went up on the mountain and sat down there. Then great multitudes came to him, having with them the lame, blind, mute, maimed, and many others. And they laid them down at the feet of Jesus, and he healed them. So the multitude marveled when they saw the mute speaking, the maimed made whole, the lame walking, and the blind seeing, and they glorified the God of Israel. So with Matthew's account, we get a little bit more of an understanding of why Jesus did what he did, especially in regard to the woman. And, and the, the two key things are the things that Matthew adds and Mark omits. Now, why did Matthew add them and Mark not add them? Well, remember, um, each of the gospel writers had a specific purpose and they had a specific audience. So Mark's purpose was to give a brief and a, and a you know, fairly fast-paced message of, of who Jesus was, writing to a broad audience, which would include many Gentiles. Matthew was much more focused on a Jewish audience. And, and the things that he's, uh, Matthew records relate to what's actually happening here in this contrast between the way this Gentile woman responds to Jesus and the way the people of Israel were responding to him. That's what's going on here. Because, you know, the question is, well, why did Jesus, like, he just seems kind of rude to this woman. You know, why would he treat her like this? That's what people have asked. And it's a valid question because it does seem out of character with Jesus to, to speak to her like this or to, in, I guess you could say, even not speak to her. He kind of ignored her, it seemed, at one point. But here's what's happening. Jesus is bringing out this Gentile woman's faith, which is in contrast to the unbelief of the people of Israel. You see, remember, Jesus says when they were asking him, like, you know, why don't, why don't you address this same thing with this woman? Back up just one second. Remember where Jesus is. He's left the land of Israel. He's not in Israel now. He's in what we would know today as Lebanon. He's on the, the coast Tyre and Sidon area is the coastal region of southern Lebanon. So that's where Jesus is. He's in Gentile territory. And this Gentile woman comes to him. And so they're saying, do something about this woman. And he says this, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. The, the primary ministry of Jesus was to the nation of Israel. And of course, after his death and resurrection, the descending of the Holy Spirit, the gospel would ultimately go to the Gentile nations. But the ministry of Jesus was a ministry specifically to Israel. But notice, here's the contrast. This woman and both writers emphasize that she was not a Jew. She was a Syrian Phoenician. So she was, she was a Gentile woman. But it's interesting that she comes to Jesus and she uses the, the, the terminology she uses. And, and again, Matthew records it. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. So here's a Gentile woman acknowledging son of David is a messianic title. So here's a Gentile woman acknowledging that Jesus is the Messiah 
in contrast to the nation itself that is rejecting him as the Messiah. And this is, of course, in keeping with what Jesus even would say at a certain point to the leaders of Israel. He said that many would come from the east and the west, outside of the boundaries of Israel, many would come from the east and the west and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the patriarchs of the nation. Many would come from all around the world, sit down with these patriarchs in the kingdom of God, but the children of the kingdom will be cast out. This woman is illustrating that point. And so Jesus is seeming to sort of ignore or or rebuff the request of this woman in order that her faith might be seen. See what Jesus is doing. Like I said, he's showing the contrast between her and the nation, the nation that's cold toward him, the nation that's indifferent toward him, the nation that's not really sure if he could really be the one. And this woman is like, son of David, have mercy on me. And, and the, the more Jesus kind of ignores her, the more her faith builds in her. And, and so when Jesus says to her something that would really be offensive. It's not right to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. Now, man, today, people today would be so offended. How dare you? Are you insinuating that I'm a dog? I'm, you know, that that would be the end of it. But this woman was not deterred by it. This woman was just like, yeah, okay, whatever. But let's get back to the point. I need you to heal my daughter. Even the, the crumbs that fall from the master's table, that, that's, what the, that's what the little dogs will eat. And Jesus says, oh, woman, great is your faith. So Jesus commends her for this great faith. You know, the NIV reads in a very interesting way because it has the woman, and, and I think this is actually the right way to understand it, When Jesus says it's not right to take the bread and give it to the dogs, the woman actually says, oh no, Lord, you're you're wrong. No, the dogs, they will eat the crumbs from the table. And Jesus is almost like, you got me on that one. You're right. That's good. I mean, not that she really got him. Of course, he's God. But, But he's using all of this stuff to bring out her faith. So that's what's happening in the case here. Now, The second situation is also peculiar. And it's this story of the healing of this man who is deaf and mute. And notice again, let let me just read it to you so you can have it fresh in your mind. Notice what happened here. So they, they bring this man to Jesus and he's deaf, he has an impediment in his speech, and they, and they begged him, put your hands on him. That, that was their request. And look what Jesus did. He took him aside from the multitude and put his fingers in his ears and spit and touched his tongue. Then looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, Ephatha, that is be opened, immediately his ears were opened and the impediment of his tongue was loosed and he spoke plainly. That is weird. It's weird. 
Don't you think so? I think so. Everybody thinks so. Why, why did, what did Jesus put his fingers in the guy's ears? And then he spit on his tongue? That's really weird. Why, why did he do that? Well, I don't know why he did that. Nobody knows why he did that. But suffice it to say, this is very unconventional. This is not the way. They said, Jesus, just lay your hands on this guy and everything's going to be great. That would have been the conventional way to do it. That would, that's the way it was most often done. Jesus either just touched somebody or he spoke to them. But in this case, he does something that's, that's quite frankly, it's strange. So, like I said, I mean, we really don't know why he did it this way exactly, but here's something to think about. What we really see here, if we look at it, is that Jesus is showing extreme sensitivity to the deaf man, and he's relating to him on his level. Now, he's showing extreme sensitivity. Why do I say that? Because notice, they bring this man to Jesus in a crowd, but Jesus pulls him aside out of the crowd. Jesus takes him aside privately. Now, now think about this man. So he's deaf. He can't speak. You know, people with those kinds of limitations, those people are a spectacle quite often. And, and we know that today. I mean, it's just the way it is, right? If, if you're somewhere and you, you, know, you encounter somebody who has some limitation like that, whatever it might be, they, it's just because it's so out of the ordinary, people can't help but staring sometimes, you know, especially little kids, you know how that goes uh, so often. You know, a child will see somebody who maybe has, you know, maybe even some kind of physical deformity. And a child, of course, just says, hey, what's, what's wrong with that person? And, you know, that's obviously quite insensitive, right? But it's a kid. They don't really know any better. It could have been the case, since this was the man's condition, it could have been the case that his whole life that that was the kind of thing that happened, Everywhere he went, people are like, what, what's the matter with that guy? How come you're not talking? Why do you talk like that? What's the matter with that guy? Can't he hear what I said? Those would have been common kinds of things. But Jesus takes him aside. He's been a spectacle, but Jesus is not going to make a spectacle of him. So, so he pulls him aside out of the crowd. It's a very sensitive thing that Jesus does here. And then he does this strange thing where he puts his fingers in his ears and he spits on his tongue. Now, some have suggested that what Jesus was doing here was he was really getting on the level with the man. And in a sense, he was doing like, like sign language. Like he's telling him, he's putting his finger in his ears, telling him, I'm going to fix these ears right now. And in spitting on his tongue, he's basically saying the same thing. I, I'm, going to, I'm going to now heal you. And although we can't say for sure that that's what he was doing, it seems like that might very well have been the case. And, and, the, and the things with both the woman and also with this man that we need to see, with the man here, what we need to understand is that, you know, Jesus is sensitive to our sensitivities. He's sensitive to our vulnerabilities. Jesus doesn't want to make a spectacle of you. Now, sometimes that can't be said of believers. 
it can't be said of believers that we are always sensitive. Uh, sometimes we're, we're very insensitive. And that's something that we need to work on. We need to pray about. We need to, uh, you know, ask for wisdom. Because sometimes we can think we're representing the Lord, but we're not. Because, no, the Lord wouldn't really deal with things like that. And yet we can be guilty of that. I think of the disciples, and we'll, we'll come to this in a few weeks. But, you know, there's that situation where these parents are bringing their kids to Jesus because they want Jesus to bless them. And the parents thought, well, this surely Jesus wouldn't mind this. But the disciples, when they get there with the kids, the disciples are like, get these kids out of here. These kids are bothering the Lord. You're bothering the Lord. This is an important moment. Get, get, get the kids away. What does Jesus say? They're not bothering me. Jesus says, leave them alone. Actually, let them come to me. And then he says, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. And unless you become like one of these kids, you're not even going to get into the kingdom of heaven. So he really rebukes them for this misrepresentation. And that, that's a lesson for us. We need to make sure, you know, you, you see this sometimes. People think that they're, doing God a favor. They think they're representing the Lord. You know, somebody says something maybe, you know, in social media that they don't totally agree with, so they jump right in and they got to stand up for the Lord. Hey, and, you know, you're wrong about that, and God doesn't like that, and, you know, that sort of thing. We need to be sensitive, and Jesus showed us that here. But, but also, going back to the woman for a moment, we see that Jesus sometimes lets our faith be tested a little bit so our faith can be even more magnified and, and more impactful for people. So, I mean, this woman is, be, is being tested. She could have lost heart and just said, okay, Jesus is ignoring me. He's not obviously going to answer my petition. He even said something rude to me about, you know, not throwing the bread to the dogs. Forget it. But no, she hung in there. And as she hung in there, her faith emerged and was very impressive so much so that Jesus said, oh woman, great is your faith. And, and that's what he wanted to do. He wanted us today and people then to see uh, that even in times of testing, that we need to persevere in faith because there will come that moment when our faith is vindicated. So, now looking at these stories, as I've already hinted at, you know, the question is what, so what is, in both of these stories that are, uh, bit different. What is, what is the, the main point? And I do think that uh, J.C. Ryle, in his commentary on this event, I think he really did nail it. Now, just a little background. J.C. Ryle was the Anglican Bishop of Liverpool back in the late 1800s, early 1900s, and um, just a godly, brilliant guy. Wrote a a volume on the Gospels that I refer to quite often. Uh, one of those guys who just seemed to have this ability to just look at a text and say, hey, there are three 
things right here in this text that we need to see. And usually it's like, yes, we did need to see those. How did I not see those? <laughs> How could you see those so clearly? But th- listen to what he said about this. And, and what I want to talk about here is Jesus working in unconventional ways. He said, there is one simple lesson to be learned from our Lord's conduct on this occasion. That lesson is that Christ was not tied to the use of any one means in doing his work among men. Sometimes he saw fit to work in one way, sometimes in another. We see the same thing going on still in the church of Christ. We see continual proof that the Lord is not tied to the use of any one means exclusively in conveying grace to the soul. I think he he just hit it. That's exactly what is happening here. Jesus is showing us that he has all different kinds of ways of doing things. And the lesson for us is to be careful not to limit him to only working in ways that we are familiar with maybe or or ways that we approve. And another way to express that is we need to be careful not to put God in a box. Now, most of you have probably heard that terminology, right? You know, putting God in a box. What does that mean? That means that we are putting limitations on how God can do things. And we've got an idea of how God does do things. And maybe it's because that's how he did them in our life. Maybe that's how he did it in our church. Maybe that's how he did it in our tribe, our family of churches. And therefore, this is the way God does it. Well, yes, this is the way God did it for me. But it doesn't mean that this is the only way that God does it. And putting God in a box is to say he can't do it any other way than the way I'm familiar with and comfortable with. (laughs) This is a huge problem in the church today because many people who would never even think that they're doing it are actually doing this very thing. They're, They're putting God in a box. And anytime we criticize what God is doing somewhere else and, you know, as long as there are those those clear lines, you know, we don't go outside of the biblical understanding of things, but believe me, there's plenty of criticism and and condemnation over people who are not going outside the biblical lines, but just doing things differently. But the, the moment we do that, then we are actually putting God in a box. Now let's join Pastor Brian and Cheryl in the studio as they share about this month's resource. So Brian, a lot of people don't know this about you, that you actually love the Elisa Childers podcast. Yes, I do. And Elisa Childers on there, she deals with some of the issues of our time, especially those who are involved with kind of progressive Christianity or taking Christianity in a non-gospel direction. Yes, And her podcast is fantastic, and she has written a book, and the book is called Another Gospel. And yes, progressive Christianity is essentially a Christianity that wants to have the kingdom without the king. They want to leave the hard truths out of the biblical narrative and just sort of have a 
watered-down kind of a Christianity for today. But they're very persistent and wanting to push this on others as well. So Elisa had an experience in a church where she was subjected to this presentation of progressive Christianity, which caused her to really dig down deep and reestablish her own roots in the faith and then have a passion to talk about this issue. And so she ended up writing this great book called Another Gospel that I would highly recommend. It's going to give you like the up to the moment issues that are being talked about in churches around the country today. And so I highly recommend it. So that's Another Gospel by Elisa Childers with a forward by Lee Strobel. Again, this month's resource is a book titled Another Gospel by Elisa Childers. You can order the book Another Gospel by going to our website, backtobasicsradio.com. Scroll down until you see the photo of it and then click on the donate button. And when you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you the book Another Gospel by Elisa Childers to help you wrestle with the idea of progressive Christianity. It's our way of saying thank you for your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the Gospel of Mark. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.